Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Counter-Strike fans all across the globe, thank you for your patience, thank you for sticking with us. We're a little bit late, but uh, I think you've come to expect that with us now. We're uh, on time, rarely, but it's better. It's better this way, and apparently for every minute we're late, I need to rant more. But there won't be any rants to kick off today's show, episode 9, Hedra TV confirmed. We're going to be covering uh, all of the recent, let's say, revelations. Uh, with the with the coaching situation, we've got Ian Smith from ESIC joining us. We'll get to him in a moment. We've got the recent news. Obviously, we didn't cover EPL last week. We'll look into it this week. There's uh, been some information with Oboe stepping down from complexity. We've got Vendetta as the coach of Dignitas now. Uh, and if there's any time, we'll do some questions from the viewers at home. Now, uh, we've got Prof. Say hey, Prof. Hello. Striker. Hello. Lucas, everything cool? Yeah, I hope so. All right, let's play the bumper so we can introduce Ian and get this one underway. All right, we are back, and in the hot seat today, we have Ian Smith, who is the commissioner of ESIC, which is the Esports Integrity Commission. Now, Ian, first of all, how are you doing? I'm. <laughs> that's a really good nice question. broad one. Uh, I'm I'm doing very well, thanks, Chad. It, it's um it's been hectic, and I could do with a little bit more sleep, but I'm good. I'm really yeah. good. Okay, well, uh, there's a lot going on at the moment, and that's basically mm -hmm. where we should be looking to kick things off here. But before we dive too much mm. into uh, the, the post and the revelations that came out today with the findings, um, do you want to yeah. just for the viewers give a bit of an introduction to yourself, your, your history, and uh, how you found yourself with ESIC? Yeah, sure. Um, my background, I'm a lawyer by background, but I worked in traditional sports for about 20 years, primarily cricket, uh, where I worked for the players union, both uh, for England and, and the domestic players here. But then I ran the International Player Association for uh, a few years before I left after the Cricket World Cup in 2015. It was then that I was brought into the world of esports initially by MTG at the time that they were buying DreamHack to do an assessment of the integrity threats to the industry, uh, which I thought would be like a three-month job. And here I am five years later, um, because primarily because whilst my expertise was in primarily betting fraud, doping, disciplinary uh, matters, match fixing, what I what you would normally do in that sort of role is that you would make recommendations, right? You'd expose the problems and you'd say, this is what you need to do about it. And you'd go to a governing body and say, hey, FIFA, hey, ICC, hi, IAAF or whatever. This is what you need to do. And they'd go away and do it. But in esports, there was nowhere to go, right? And, um, and the only answer was to create somewhere to go. And that was the genesis of the esports integrity coalition as it was then um, which became the commission last year and we are a members association so basically i set that up to deal with the problems that i exposed when i looked at the industry back in 2015 so i guess in esports terms i'm a bit of a veteran but i'm a hell of a lot more of a veteran in uh the world of sports integrity that, that, that's what i've done for most of my career Okay, and just for everybody at home, ESIC, uh, they're partnered with ESL, DreamHack, Blast, and uh, WePlay. Is that all of them? Um, no. Uh, so LVP down in Spain, and then a bunch of smaller members like uh, UMG. And all of our members are there listed on, on the website. And I know that if I start listing them myself, I'm going to miss someone, and they're going to be really pissed off. <laughs> um, so Allied and these guys. No, so yes, we started with ESL and DreamHack, but have expanded way beyond there uh, in the intervening years. So 
uh, I guess we cover probably about 50 to 60% of the higher end of competitive professional esports in terms of tournament organizer membership. Okay. Now, if people want to find all that information, they can just head over to the website, which is esic.gg. There's all the information over there that they can read into. Um, now, you and I have had uh, some some passings over the, the last couple of years within esports and buses yeah. to Katowice and whatnot. And I know we've had a few conversations about uh, uh, what's been going on in the esports world. Nothing crazy in depth, but just no. some, some little stories here and there. Now, uh, for people who maybe don't understand what ESIC is in and the goal of it right you've done it you've touched on it a little mm. bit there but overall this body being built is it just is it something that is is to enforce obviously with the with the ruling mm. coming out today it's there to enforce but what's the overall oh. uh, i guess plan for esic and what does it aim to accomplish yeah look what we'd really love to do is is prevent and eradicate uh, threats to the integrity to the of the entire industry right we we talk about esports in terms of like it's one thing, but we all know inside the industry that that's not the case, right? It's a series of verticals, some of which are more important than others. And at the top end, you have to consider, in my world, Counter-Strike is the very top because it's by far the biggest betting product. Um, and then you look at Dota 2, League of Legends, and the rest, right? Now, that, that's not to diminish the rest as games, but in terms of how they impact integrity, it really is about Counter-Strike, Dota, and League. And um, recently during COVID, we'd add FIFA into that. But fortunately, now that real football's returned, that, that's gone off our radar. But what we do primarily is look at prevent, stopping dealing with cheating. And that's both cheating to win by, let's say, software hacks, DDoS attacks, uh, and doping as a subset of that. So where you see me uh, so often every year is generally to do with drug testing at the big lands, right? That That's... That's our main kind of interface. Mm. But our, our real job, the way I see it, is to deal with that horrible abyss that exists between esports and betting on esports. And I'm, you know, I'm not an advocate for or against because betting brings enormous benefits to the industry in terms of sponsorship, fan engagement, all these great things. But it also creates problems that esports was simply not equipped to deal with they really had you know other than i buy power epsilon and the starcraft cases back 2015-16 the industry is you know it was pretty damn clueless let's be honest about what this was and what to do about it and that's where our principal focus has been and that's what we exist to deal with and because this is a common problem to all the verticals and i know i said it's most important in counter-strike dota and league but it affects everything because bad things happening in Dota, for example, have a knock-on effect to our whole industry. And what the whole industry needs to do, and I think this is the benefit of being from outside esports initially, is to increase its professionalism, to raise the level across the board. Because it doesn't matter if you're 50 guys playing Madden in Fort Lauderdale nightclub or 45,000 people in the Spodek watching count the World Championship of Counter-Strike, the problems are common, right? Integrity. It's got to have integrity. If we lose, if we lose faith in the product, everybody loses. And in my view, the players are the product. I, those are the guys that I feel that we work for. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't mind just asking this one before we pivot into the, to the coaching stuff. Uh, compared to the traditional mm. sports that you've been involved in on, on a similar level, how bad is the mm. uh, nefarious activities in esports stacking up? 
Yeah, look, it's really not as bad as some sorts because like, you know, and, and I would prefer to talk about that at a game vertical rather than an industry level because there are areas of our industry that are, you know, I would happily say are clean, but there are areas that are really not. Um, and, you know, I hate to say it, but the Dota 2 scene needs a lot of work done on it. It's, it's poor, right? From an integrity perspective, it's poor. But uh, I've seen Counter-Strike, for example, which is by far the biggest betting product, accounts for well over 40% of the global betting market. Wow. I've, seen that, I've seen that improve dramatically over the last three years. The figures are getting better and better at the same time as Counter-Strike itself grows and betting on Counter-Strike grows. So I would call that a success story, to be honest. Um, and League has always done a really good job you know, as much as Riot have not engaged historically directly with us, there's actually a reasonably good reason for that, which is that they've done a damn good job. I, I've had, you know, I would say less than 5% of our investigations involve League of Legends, which is pretty remarkable given that they account for, let's say, 11 to 12% of the betting market. That, so they're doing something right. And, and, and you've got to laud them for that, although I would, of course, like better contact with them. But on the comparative front, when you look at fixing historically and traditional sport, the single person sort stick out like a sore thumb, right? So if you want to go back in history, you're going to look at boxing, snooker, darts, and then, of course, horse racing, right? Horse racing because it exists uh, for, for betting. Um, but in the modern era, tennis has been by far the worst, but is getting its act together very, very nicely over the last 18 months or so, uh, doing a great job, their, their uh, anti-corruption unit. And football, because it's universal, it's the biggest betting product, it's, it's around the world. And it's, you know, let, let's be honest, it's corrupt from top to bottom, right? We've seen the FIFA scandals. We've had problems at UEFA level. We have problems with more or less every football association in the world that you can point at. Um, it's, you know, it's historically a corrupt sport. So it's no surprise that, that football match fixing has been an absolute blight on the game for years and years and years. Esports sits well below those major sports, but above 90% of let's say Olympic sport, you know what I mean? The, the kind yeah. of more amateur stuff, but that's primarily because there's no betting on those sports. If there was betting, for example, on, I don't know, let's say men's hundred meter running, you can bet your life. That would be the most fixed activity <laughs> in the world um, beyond the doping that already makes it the most fixed in that sense uh, activity. Okay. All right. So we're, we're doing all right. We, we, we are for an ungoverned, unregulated industry. Esports has done, let's be honest, they've done a hell of a good job evolving in the chaotic way that our industry has evolved. Um, they've been lucky, but also there's most people involved in esports are good people, right? They have a base integrity. They have decent values. They love what they're doing. I mean, let's be honest. I've never been in a community in all my years in sport and prior to that in, in you know, sort of more commercial legal areas that is as passionate and as intense and as committed as the esports community, whichever game you play. I don't care if you're a Splatoon fan, you're, they are, yeah, 
it's like Brazil level intensity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Okay, so we have a positive at least here. Now, uh, what I want to yeah. do, Striker, can you uh, do us a bit of a favor here? Can you surmise this coaching drama uh, up up to this point for the viewers at home, and then we'll start getting Ian's uh, take on how it all unfolded from the E6 standpoint. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know. I guess it all started about two months ago when uh, when Michal and, and Steven, um, I'm going to post a link to an article that I did that I was that outlines this, this in a more detailed way that I did about a month ago, I think, um, and where like all the updates are. But just to shortly surmise, Michal and, and Steven just started out this investigation on their own, obviously found the first cases of, of the abuse in, in this year's tournaments. And then E6 stepped in to to contract them to to do a historical investigation into the into the bugs abused, right? And so far, obviously, about a month ago, we had those first cases. You know, especially Zoner, Hunden, and Dead, who got the first three bans. And then, obviously, today it came out that 37 coaches, including those three that I just mentioned, um, have received um, in those three cases adjusted bans or just new bans based on the offense, right? So. Yeah, that's that. That that'd be about it. Okay, and just uh, for the just even a little bit uh, clearer for everybody, if they missed it, this is a coaching bug for obviously online play with the coach slot. The camera would bug in one of many different ways, I'm sure, uh, and they would be able to get information that they should not be able to. Right, that's the bug at hand. That's the one we're talking about here. Now, um, I'm going to hand the conversation over more to Prof and Striker now, Ian, because. I'm not going to sure. pretend like I uh, know as much as what these two as what's going on and have as many good questions as what's going on. So, Prof, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to start with, I think people will be interested as well to hear how this unfolded from your side. When when you get approached, what was the information that you got and then how, how you actually make a plan of action moving forward from that point, I guess, Michal and uh, yeah. contacted you with information. So take us from, from that point, kind of. Yeah, sure. And look, what I'm going to say, because as you know from our release, right, we've still got a a massive chunk of lesser cases to look at between now and the end of October. So I'm, I'm not going to comment. And also, because we've opened an appeal process, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second, I'm not going to comment on individual cases. But I've obviously learned a hell of a lot about the timeline prior to my involvement during this investigation. And I can talk about aspects of that because it, it is quite important. The right answer in terms of your question is, the first I heard about this was the request for a call from uh, ESL and DreamHack on, I think it was the 31st, yeah, it was, it was Monday, uh, I think it was a Monday, 31st of August, saying, you know, can we have a conference call about a a bug in Counter-Strike? And I, I honestly, at that point, had no idea what they were talking about. So I ended up on this long conference call where they outlined the kind of technical aspects of all of this. And I do think there's, there's going to be you guys alone, but many people watching this who have a far better technical grasp on this than me, right? I'm not a tech guy. I'm a lawyer with, uh, with an integrity background. But the way that the best analogy I've heard for this in my experience with dealing in particular with cheating, and I'm not saying that that every coach who got bugged is a cheat by any means. You know, you'll see I've, I've very strongly avoided that terminology in our statement for, for blindingly obvious reasons. But the what I have dealt with in the past is a lot of cheating using software. And, and the best analogy for me with this was that, that you got to think of it a little bit like a wall hack, right? It, it just, that, that's what it is in, in effect. 
uh, and that's how you can use it. And, and we certainly know from previous cases and, and stuff I've dealt with that if you detected a player using a wall hack, there'd be zero doubt across the community that a, let's say, a two-year ban for cheating was more than justified, right? And most people would be calling for a lifetime ban. That's the reality of our community. Um, and we even did that in theory a couple of years ago. Some of you may know that we did a massive survey on the correct response to cheating allegations. We got 10,000 responses to that. Prim about 8,000 were from the Counter-Strike community. And I would say, I can't remember the percentages, but it was like 75% were saying, if somebody cheats, throw them out. And I was like, hold on a minute, I don't like that. I, I'm more of a natural justice proportionality kind of guy. <laughs> I like process and I like fairness and proportionality, right? And so, so that was my, my introduction was those three cases that you've, that, that you've mentioned, right? Is that this was all presented to me quite rapidly, which is why when ESL and DreamHack made their first statement, ESIC didn't because I hadn't had time to look at it really. It was that literally that day that I, I was sort of confronted with this evidence. And while in principle, I completely understood what they were doing, I realized that it was a strict liability offense, right? You were either bugged or you weren't, or if you were bugged, you either did the right thing or you didn't. And from that point of view, it, it was very hard to say I'm not guilty if, if you were in the damn bug for round after round after round. Now, I've realized since that it's a lot more nuanced than that. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to acknowledge that, um, particularly when you're dealing with 37 guys, right? It, this, this isn't a one size fits all thing, which is why we allow appeals in the first place, because, you know, we've got to recognize that, that people are humans, right? Every case is a case, but we're dealing with a mass problem here. So yeah, the timeline for me was very, very rapid early on. But what was most telling, Prof, was that I, of course, reached out to Mihail for evidence. Yeah, I, again, I'm a process guy. I want to know what the hell I'm looking at. And so the next day, the next two days, the first second before we made our announcements as ESIC, I got grips with it. And what became so blindingly obvious was that this was going to be a lot bigger than the, the three guys uh, dealing with ESL DreamHack petitions that we had already uncovered a bunch of stuff in uh, ECS. In, and so, you know, on Discord, we were like, oh, God, this is looking bigger and bigger and bigger. How many, you know, what, what access have you had to HLTV? How long does each case take? And then Steve developed the tool for passing, Steve Dudenhofer. And we knew that we could look a lot uh, quite quickly. And at that point, Mihal was saying to me, hey, we've got, we've got 25,000 demos at HLTV. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, and my brain was exploding at this point. And as you've seen from today, it turned out that we've actually got close to 100,000 demos because ESEA also opened their database to us. HLTV were amazing, opened everything up in a day. And that's, as you can see, where we kind of went, look, we, we can't hang Hunden dead and Meccano gun out dry on this in isolation when we know that there are a hell of a lot more guys uh, abusing this over the past five years. It would, that wouldn't, you know, I, that didn't sit well with me. Um, and my colleague, Stephen Hanno, who, who's, you know, really carried a lot of weight in this investigation from our Australian office, 
shout out to uh, shout out to the Aussies. They've done an amazing job on this with us. But but the glory really has to go to Mihal. I mean, the hours this guy's put in. When we when we hired him, he was already doing checking for blast. They'd they'd asked him. Obviously, he was already doing all the rest of ESL and DreamHacks inventory. And then ours, he was doing 14, 15, 16 hours a day in those first couple of weeks. It, you know, remarkable. I'm just work. curious if he woke up before 10 a.m. Did he start before 10 a.m. or after, if you know? <laughs> That's a damn good question. He, he certainly wasn't happy taking Discord messages at that time of day, I can tell you. <laughs> but um, no, the dedication, you know, it got to the second phase. I had to say, look, you've got to back off and, and live a life. Yeah. You've got to start, you know, maybe doing like maybe eight hours a day because this is this is madness. You know, we we've still got eighty thousand games oh. to look at, matches to look at. Regarding that, actually, uh, you've already mm. said that uh, by the end of October, you 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 mm. expect that this will be final. But obviously, you know, the number doesn't really fit twenty thousand compared to eighty thousand more. No. Uh, you were you were mentioning that that yeah. you expect that the cases that came out already are like the brunt of the of of uh, of yeah. what it's going to be finally as well maybe just a few more yeah. cases will come up later so why why is this why is why is the other 80,000 demos not as important okay uh, so for through a couple of um uh, parameters that we set in terms of that initial search were around how long was the bug open for and in many many cases it was like a second two seconds three seconds and and we know that I think we've already eliminated. I, I I have to pass to Michal on this, and I'd hate to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure we've already eliminated about uh, a further six thousand, and it may be more by this by the time I'm talking. Where you're talking about minimal use, we're going to get a lot of false positives, and it'll take him a few minutes to look at them to go. No, the guy disconnected, or you know, did the right thing one way or another. Um, and so I am really. The only thing that really worries me about the second phase is that we're going to find sophisticated use. And what I mean by that is guys triggering and disconnecting the bug in short bursts at convenient times in the match. In other words, being, you know, far more sophisticated cheats than the guys who just found themselves in the bug and, and perhaps exploited it, uh, got stuck there, so to speak. Um, I, that's my fear. Look, if if some guy was that clever, we're going to catch him, uh, and hopefully, you know, he'll be he'll he'll suffer the consequences as a result. But that's why it's going to take considerably less time because we'll be getting rid of cases at a far far quicker rate. The ones we've had to look at so far of the ninety six that were caught against the uh, ninety six maps in effect that 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 we've uh, put out there, um, which you know is. Point zero one zero. Sorry, my math. Zero point one percent of the demos are a uh, are ones that that really obviously deserved looking at for the amount of time the bug was open. So I'm I'm pretty confident that that we've kind of we've got a very high chance of having nailed uh, all the the serious offenders unless there's guys out there who. Who are, are much cleverer cheats. So how we'll did see. you? Okay. Mm. How did you end up deciding on what the matrix would look like? Obviously, you have this system on on how yeah. 
what the punishments would be, you know, ranging from five months to 36 is the, the, the highest one, I think, you know, based That's on right. how long they were, how the frequency, how long they were in the, um, in the bug and yeah. uh, how many matches, obviously, and yeah. also like decreasing the punishment based on the concessions and stuff like that. So how did you end up mm. deciding on how this table would look like in the minimum of five, five months, for example? Yeah, look, I have to tell you, it wasn't easy. We modeled about 20 different variations. And, and I'd be the first to say, there's no perfect matrix, right? But at some point, you have to settle on one. And so we looked at the range of offenses on exactly the criteria you've looked at is how many cases and how, how many rounds being the principal ones. We also looked at the match situation in which was triggered, but that became so insanely complex that it, it sort of ran out of sense. But I, I'll tell you what our starting point was, of course, was the initial three sanctions, looking at that as a kind of baseline between uh, dead, what, what we knew at the time, you know, not what we know now, but what we knew at the time was we looked at dead Hunden and McConaughey doing 6, 12, and 24 months. And we tried to model that when we knew all 37 cases. And it led to some really anomalous, unfair result for, for guys, which is why we adjust to take account of the, the much more nuanced range of abuse of the bug from one round in one game through to hundreds of rounds in a bunch of games. And we had to, we had look at that. So what we did was we just remodeled it and remodeled it and remodeled it until it looked fair before we applied concessions. Because then it was a case of, okay, what, what deserves a discount, so to speak here? Which is why we offered firstly the confession. We'd already had some confessions in from guys before we announced the investigation. And I thought that was deserved better than knowing there's an investigation and, and going, oh yeah, I confess. Because you know you're going to get busted, right, if, if you have any faith in our system. But it, that still deserves credit, in my view. Um, but the guys who confessed before we announced, I thought, deserved more credit. And look, at the end of the day, a lot of this comes down to my discretion. It's on my shoulders. It's my responsibility. But I had enormous help. Um, as I've already mentioned, my colleague, Stephen, in Australia, Michal's overview was enormously helpful because the guy knows Counter-Strike, you know, like I, I, I've never known, um, you know, with all the respect to you guys. <laughs> but, you know, in, in, the, in the way that an admin does, as opposed to, the, you know, an analyst or, or, or desk guy or caster, it, it's a different way of looking at things. And so, yeah, but at the end of the day, it, I have to take responsibility for that. I had to make a choice. But what I want people to know is that it was not frivolous, not for one second. Honestly, I think we spent, I can't remember, but it was at least four or five days just working out what was the right way to achieve fairness across a range of 37 guys uh, and fairness to the community that has been blighted. I'm, I'm, and I'm deliberately avoiding the word cheated because I don't know. I mean, look, some of the, you, you guys can look at that. Everyone can look at the figures and go, that guy cheated. Hmm. Talking, we, talking we, about we, that. We can't make that judgment. 
Yeah, talking about that, if I may mm. interject, uh, a lot of people are just spamming 424 rounds, which is the number of rounds Mechanogun was okay. using <laughs> using the using I the stopped bug. at 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, and people are saying like, why does this guy even deserve a second chance? So can you can you speak to that? Like, yeah. he got a three year ban. Some people will say that's a like technically a, a lifetime ban but but it's not like in three yeah. years he can come back and yeah. play events so what is your e6 view on why that isn't a permaban right okay let, let me go this comes from my lawyer background guys it, it i firstly at a personal level i believe in second chances i i, I absolutely do because i don't know what mcconaughey was going through in his life at that time what pressure he was under He's a human like the rest of us and we all fuck up, right? Sometimes you get caught and you pay a price and sometimes you get away with it. But three years and, and, and then the lawyer kicks in and the lawyer says, right, you, you've got to have a process and you've got to have natural justice and you've got to look at this against what deserves a lifetime out of what you love. And then you look for me at doping cases where various human rights tribunals have said for a first offense of cheating you get initially it was two years now it's accepted through the world anti-doping association that a four-year ban as an initial ban is fair and i take both views my personal view is everybody deserves a second chance that's my personal view my professional view is that the world of sports governance and regulation discipline has decided that this is the range in which a first offense is treated. And I agree with that. And I think as an industry, if we want to be seen to be professional and not taking revenge on people, but looking at rehabilitation and proportionate sanctions, then, that's, we, that, then we should behave professionally. We're not a kangaroo court. We're not rough justice. And so he deserves a second chance in the same way as everybody else, in my view. And gonna... I, I sympathize with, with other people's views. I just don't agree. I'm going to take this the other way, which is obviously at the bottom, which is the, the five months, yeah. um, the lowest punishment that, that we were talking about. And yeah. obviously, the, the biggest case out of that is Raga who only yeah. used it for for one round and yeah. by the way he even lost that round which is I, you I know, know people can people can look at it the, however they want but obviously mm -hmm. that's the case that people look at as yeah. like an outlier that perhaps was unfair you know i'm not going to say that it, that it was yeah, or yeah. wasn't but cool. my question is essentially what's what did they have to do in that round or in whatever round that they were caught using the bug mm. to get punished would it just be getting stuck in there without moving at all or or was it uh did they yeah. have to move around and just show that they were physically um aware of of using the bug yeah look if if we we've looked at cases for example where the bug appeared and had them in a facing a wall and then and it didn't move but generally of course they moved we looked at we looked at that and you guys will have seen some of the video clips. I'm sorry that apparently I heard on my drive down that the Google Drive is like maxed out, but we're looking for a solution just so you know uh, for that. But the um, but again, you've got to draw a line somewhere. And 
I realize that for certain individuals, and I, I'm not going to talk about individual cases, but for certain individuals, it will appear where they're outliers at the bottom end as perhaps not fulfilling the justice criteria in the same way that many people will look at the upper end outliers and go, that's not justice either. But when you're dealing with 37 cases, you've got to make decisions. And you know what you can't do, in my view, is simply go, well, it was only once, so we're not going to discount those because the next answer is, well, it was only twice mm. or three times or four times. And this is precisely why the appeal mechanism was put in place uh, and independent from us. I, I will have no input into that except you know, to answer questions about our process, and it'll be up to the independent chairman of that process to decide whether what we did was fair and right within the context of, of the matrix and the process. And if guys can come up with stuff that clearly shows that, 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 that we're wrong uh, within that context, then great. I, I'm, you know, I'm not here to, to crap on these guys unless they did something wrong. And in my view, they did all do something wrong until, because that's why we published it, mm. until, but there is an opportunity to show that I'm wrong because right. I'm, we may be. And, you know, so let the guys come forward. But, but, you know, what I can't see succeeding is going, oh, the matrix is wrong. It's unfair. Well, okay, come up with a better one. And, and that's not an invitation to the guys <laughs> watching this because, to be honest, uh, I hate to say this, but I don't care uh, because there's no right answer, hmm. right? We're all fallible. We came up with a system. That's our system. I'm not going to change that tomorrow and go, hey, if we'd, if we'd done Joe Bloggs's matrix, then this guy would have got four and a half months instead of five, and this guy would have got 7.5 instead of nine. Sorry, not going right. to happen. But th this is obviously like a, a, the first of its kind, right? We haven't had something like this of this scale yeah. ever before within our Counter-Strike world, let alone probably the esports world. I had a yeah. question here with, with, has there been any communication with uh, ESIC and Valve about this situation? Um, only really, really early, to be honest. I mean, look, we have a great relationship with the, with, with the CS devs, um, but most of that communication has occurred between the TOs who have the relationship with Valve and Valve. Um, because what Valve do about this is up to Valve, right? You know, like in every area of life, Valve will do whatever Valve does. You know, I think they respect our work. Um, and uh, as I say, you know, any communication, we've always had a very nice open channel with the CS guys. We've, we've cooperated on a ton of stuff. So I'm perfectly comfortable that, you know, firstly, Valve, of course, know all about this, right? Uh, that, that, that's fine. But what they do about it, as far as I'm concerned, is up to Valve. Um, we, we, I don't interfere with that because we're in different fields, right? Uh, Valve is a game developer. Their job is to protect Counter-Strike. They're not an esports company. Mm. And, and, and I'm not speaking out of turn there. That's their official view, right? They're not an esports company. And I think that Primarily, they're going to leave this to the uh, to the tournament organizers to react in you know the, their sovereign way. Um, Blast, ESL, LVP, uh, Allied, any of the guys using Counter Strike have a right to choose with whom they do business. 
they've got that right. And if they want to do business with people that ESIC says are dodgy, for example, that's up to them. Uh, that does not apply to the members of ESIC because they've agreed to do what we recommend. But, you know, if we take somebody outside of that process, like, I don't know, let's say Face It or PGL uh, or one of the, any, any tournament organizer is perfectly entitled to say, well, we don't think that's fair, so we're going to let this coach be involved uh, in, in a tournament. That's up to them. Okay. Well, I think my question is, do you think, do you have any information about coaches coming forward to, to appeal the, the, the bans that they got? I think LMBT is one of yeah. the first that I saw on Twitter that is saying that that is unfair and maybe someone oh. else. And do you think that, that a lot of, like, what percentage of the, of the bans do you think could even be technically overturned or changed? Uh, in yeah. the like appeal process. I mean, that's interesting. Look, I have to say, as probably most of you know, I was traveling most of today. Um, it happened to coincide with my son's return to university, which was shockingly bad timing. I agree, but that's how it is, right? But what I do know is that I currently have uh, 36 emails. Um, <laughs> Shit. But, <laughs> so, but look, obviously I've... I have no control over the appeal process deliberately. I've, I've very deliberately separated ourselves from that because it's got to be fair, right? Um, that's the point of an appeal process. No good appealing to me. <laughs> I, I, I think I've done right, right? But so I, I can't really comment on the outcome of those. But what I do know, and I speak as a lawyer in this area, right, is that it isn't a case of saying, uh, I, to my mind, it's proving that it's disproportionate in the context of uh, of the matrix. So that, I don't know, I should have given, that it's disproportionate have given a 25% discount instead of a 40% discount. Now, in any normal sports regulatory environment or even a court, you've got no chance succeeding with that. Because what we've done is in a band of reasonableness, right? As long as what we did was in there somewhere, you, it has to be outside for it to succeed as unreasonable. So I, I don't think that'll work personally, but who knows? Where, and then I guess there's the other thing, which is I'm not guilty. Now, in a strict liability case, that's quite difficult. Because you either in the bug or you weren't, right? But there is there is a, a relevant difference to that, which I'm I'm aware of, and certainly I would take uh, uh, a view of is that if somebody could prove that they were not at their PC when they were bugged, that that seems to me a reasonable plea of not guilty. Uh, you know, I, I would take that as if somebody could show me that. They were somewhere else when time, when this yeah. happened. I, I would definitely take that into account. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not an asshole. <laughs> I live in the real world, and yeah, it's, some guy wasn't at his PC. But what I don't want a whole bunch of guys calling me up, going, "I wasn't at my PC." You can say that till the cows come home. I'm talking about proof, evidence. I'm not talking about assertion. 
because every chief I've dealt with in the last five years uh, has said, uh, I didn't do it, or I wasn't there, or somebody else put it on my computer. My dog installed. Uh, it's it's always the older hacks. brother. It's well, always the older brother. brother. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that I've, oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the somebody else thing. Oh, or my girlfriend that I broke up with. <laughs> yeah. It's no, good I mean, yeah, It's not going to work, though. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to who was it in the by Power case? I, I forgot whose girlfriend well, so, it was, but it was someone's yeah, girlfriend that, it that, was, yeah. that leaked the, the screenshots. Oh, that's right. Correct. What about what about the people who essentially, mm. I guess at, this, at the beginning, there was like this messaging that if you, especially with the debt case, I think that uh, that's where it was brought up, was that... Mm. If you had a, had encountered it before and showed that you could, that you knew how to get out of it or got, got out of it immediately, and then yep. got caught the second time using it, that's obviously being guilty, yep. right? But then yep. there are cases, like I said before, with with Raga who encountered it in one round and did it. Mm. I don't know at which point I didn't look into that exact case, right? Yeah. But why is it so? Uh, I don't know how to call it, but I get why is it so simple in this way that. If you just use it for one round without even a repetitive repetitive case, you are guilty. Even though you know it could be a coach who just encountered it the first time, you know, not entirely sure what he's doing, just looking sure. around, what the hell is happening to me? You know, staying for that round and then yeah. disconnecting. Why is that as bad as you know somebody who essentially used it for multiple rounds and clearly yeah. knew what he was doing? And look, I, I'd be the first to say it isn't as bad, which is why the matrix exists to draw a distinction between those between those cases. Um, but again, it, it comes back, I've got to draw a line somewhere. And if, a, so basically the short ones now looking at the next 80,000 are a ton of them are going to be the guys who did the right thing, which is go, oh, I'm bugged, disconnect, call a technical pause, do something. And look, and we even know, as I, I can't remember, to be honest, it, it's been a long day, but I think I said in the statement. There are even guys who brought this to an admin's attention, which is absolutely the right thing to do. What, what we don't know is what happened with that information. Uh, we, we, we've got no evidence that, that anything was done, but that was the right thing to do. And I've seen evidence of that. Um, whether it was the right thing to do after a number of rounds or immediately or disconnected is the thing. But as I say, you know, f from my perspective, of course, those cases with one case and one round are nowhere near as bad as the cases with more cases and more rounds. But does that mean that you just go, hey, there you go, um, forget about it? I, and maybe you do, but we chose not to, uh, to do that because it was possible to, to be in violation of a strict liability offense, even for a short time. And I very, very hard to choose where to draw the line on that. It, it's a gray area, right? Because it's to do with like the yeah. debate on like where you will, will have, well, where, where your own integrity lies on that whole situation. And then it would come yeah. down to like, the, obviously the technical side of it. What could they see? What couldn't they? So it also just open, opens up a can of worms. Like you use really the wall does. hack for one round. Uh, it was yeah. just for that round. <laughs> I just used the, it was installed, but yeah. it's only trigger this like trigger bot was yeah. only used for this one round, and then it's like that doesn't really yeah. 
make that. I yeah. guess that's kind of a difficult thing to, to look at. And, and that's, you know, when we were modeling, we started looking at the impact. Well, you know, what, in what round was it triggered? Where, where were you in the match? Who was it against? What, you know, how important was the outcome of the match? And we went down a rabbit hole for God knows how many hours before you realize that firstly, none of us are really in a position to judge that. What was, you know, what was important about a match in 2017? Especially for that team. It might be for like internally in that that team, it might be, yeah. You know, exactly. And so we, we shut that rabbit hole off pretty quickly. Well, I say pretty quickly. Uh, it was. It felt like a hell of a long time to me. So, so just on that, obviously going back quite far with some of these bands, um, it, was that just the idea just to clean house completely? Just go back as far as you could, see when the, the bug was yeah. exploded at all, and then just now we get a clean start? Yes, that, that, that was exactly it. Because again, you, you enter the same realm, right? Is that if you stop at a certain point, but the bug was available prior to that point, where's the fairness to the guys who get caught and the proportionality. So in the end, you say, well, how long has this bug been around? Well, we better look at it for as long as we can because there's always going to be, or, or there's always the possibility that you're letting guys off. And, you know, we, I, I, I'm reluctant to do that because as much as I, as I said earlier, I believe in rehabilitation and second chances. I also don't believe in just going, eh, laugh it off because it's serious. You know, I keep coming back throughout the last month to that original point is this is a wall hack and if we caught a guy with a wall hack and as you said prof you know for he opened wall hack for 30 seconds in one round what would we would be going yeah that's okay no we wouldn't i but i guess the distinction um, i guess the distinction here is that Mm. Especially with the non-repetitive cases, is that they mm. didn't actively seek out cheating, right? Yeah. Because they they didn't turn it on themselves. They they just have possibly. I mean, they could have, but possibly they didn't do it uh, on their own. It just happened to them. And so yeah. it's just I understand the people who will look at the Raga case or look at these cases where it only happened from one round and they got out of it relatively yeah. quickly, um, as being you know not guilty as not having done anything bad, sure. just because. You know, as, as I said, they just happened on it and got out of it relatively quickly. Yeah, have, uh, I, I, have, I have tremendous sympathy with that view. I, you know, at a personal level, I completely get it. I, I do. Um, and, and for us, that was a, a difficult choice. Um, it, it was, you know, and, and so, yes, I, I agree with you. I agree that that's a way of looking at it. But well, again, you, you've got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's where we drew it. Uh, there are guys who, if we if we taken it back a little bit, would be in that list, and where we drew a line at less than a round, for example, where we had guys in there for you know thirty forty seconds, um, who kind of worked out what to do, and and jumped or, or pulled a, a, a pause, and they could have used that period. Uh, to cheat so yeah we, we you know as again I, i'm sorry that i keep coming back to the answer but sooner or later you have to make uh, executive decisions about these things and that's where we drew the line uh my question is and a lot of people are asking this mm-hmm. what about the players and of course we can't know yeah. in a lot of cases if the players yeah. knew or not or they didn't but are there any 
like voice comms or things that you looked at? Is this something that you tried to figure out and tried to find out? And how did that go? Is there any yeah. chance that anyone gets caught? I mean, from one point of view, you're obviously not going to have all of the voice comms for all of these matches. Yeah. So maybe it's unfair that someone gets caught and gets banned yeah. and someone else doesn't. But in the end, yeah, I don't think it's unfair to to catch someone sure. cheating and ban, ban him, even if someone else gets scot free, right? I, and and yeah, you're right. And we looked at it exactly that way. And um, we'll shortly be releasing a statement on a separate issue, but it's related, which is about stream sniping ghosting. And in that case, which goes back to June um, and a subsequent investigation that we've tried to keep quiet about because we wanted to understand the full picture before we made a statement, which we will make. It's out in draft. It, the work's done. But I, I, I'll give you an example of what, what the issue was here is in the course of that investigation, we, uh, between me and a, another admin with, with a different uh, tournament operator, between us, listened to 13 hours of TeamSpeak recordings to get about the eight seconds of incriminating communications. And all I say about this is that it's a logistical issue as much as it's a fairness and legal issue. Because you can imagine looking at these cases, even where they are, uh, TeamSpeak or other recordings, and that's actually very rare. There aren't much. There isn't much, and or you look at in-game chat or whatever evidence is available. You're looking at and and I would say conservatively, a year's work, and putting it bluntly, ESIC does not have the resources, time, or money to do that. And so I agree with you that look. I think it'll be obvious to the entire community that players have, if not been directly complicit, teams have benefited from the cheating. There's no doubt about it. What it's very hard to prove is that even with TeamSpeak the, uh, or, or with in-game audio, to know that the communication from the coach to the player came from the information that he was receiving from the bug. And, and so what you end up with, as I did in the, uh, in the stream sniping case, where we haven't gone public yet, but I've been through it, is hours and hours and hours of questionable audio where you're trying to, as an individual, go, well, that relate to what was on the stream Therefore, the communication must have been from what the coach was seeing on the stream. And, you know, if for any lawyers listen to this, you know how quickly and easily that would be pulled apart. Um, and, yeah, I come back to, I'm, afra I'm afraid I just have to be brutally honest and say we don't have the time or the resources to do that. We just don't. Uh, because it'll be, if it was 13 hours in the stream sniping case from one series, of matches, and we've got 96,000 matches, it ain't going to happen. And so I'm afraid we're just going to leave it there unless something emerges in any one case that is given to us or presented to us or we come across in some other way that makes it clear that there was a communication between the bug coach and his team relating to what he could see. In well, which case... I will absolutely hammer those guys. Of course we will. If it was under an ESIC, I have to say, if it was an ESIC tournament, if it happened at ECS, 
or some other event over which we have no jurisdiction because they're not a member of ESIC, then uh, you know, I'm going to pass the information to the TO, but, but I'm not going to do it unless they ask and pay us. So essentially what you need, let's say what people are asking for, like the hard legion guys to be banned, what you yep. need is some like seventh person that was in the room that actually heard that during this and this match, they communicated yep. this and have you have, yep. let's say, the TeamSpeak recording of that match, then you could go into that match, look at everything that is there, look at the TeamSpeak, yep. like translate everything from Russian to English and realize, right. okay, this is here a clear indication yeah. that they they knew, and then you can use that to ban the players. That would be like the process yeah. that would need to go through. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I've had more emails in Russian in the last two weeks than I've had in the rest of my life put together. <laughs> and um, you're right, you know, running all that stuff through Google Translate and so on is, is a mission. But you've analyzed it correctly. That's exactly right, right? Is that we are not in a position to speculate in the way that, that the community might like us to. Because the circumstantial evidence is heavy. We all know that, right? If a guy's used it for, what was it, 400 and something rounds? It, it's likely, as a circumstantial proposition, that that the players, at least at some point, somebody would have gone, how the hell did you know that? You know, at some point, as a player, it would be like, God damn, this guy's good, <laughs> right, isn't it? He always knows where they're going. He always knows what the economy is. He always knows, you know. But that's not, <laughs> we, we can't prosecute people on that basis, right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, sorry, but no. Okay, so what we might do now uh, is is pivot towards because you mentioned uh, stream sniping investigation, and the next topic we had up was to do with other other things that the ESIC covers, right? The match match fixing. We've obviously got some uh, vac bands, and would be uh, would be interested to see what your stance on on those are. Um, but the, yeah. the stream sniping stuff that you were just talking about, how is that obviously just because of the realms of online Counter Strike? That's been started to look into, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We honestly, it. it it, it's something that's really emerged in this COVID period is um, we got some reports, uh, perfectly actually substantiated reports of stream sniping. Um, I won't go into too much detail because because we, we're going to explain this all in a release. But it, it, it's a pretty big deal, right? Um, in the sense that I know that what information you can gain from a general stream, given the delay between real-time action and the stream, is limited. But there, but there is some useful information there, and on top of that, it it's against it's against the rules. But actually, it's not about how much information, how badly you're cheating. It's against the rule to be on the stream. But unfortunately, we found that a hell of a lot of people were on the stream, players and coaches, and so we've got something to say about that. Um, fairly heavy stuff to say about it. Yikes. Um, but. It got to the point for us that you, again, there's a rabbit hole to be gone down here that is that relies on a lot of evidence that is not available. Because how do you know whether somebody's on the stream or not? And so when we started investigation on that side of things, that's the point at which we listened to hours and hours of, of audio and realized that if we were to carry on this investigation in a meaningful way and open it up, we'd, 
we'd probably take more than the rest of this year to get to the bottom of it. And that's, again, you've just got to be realistic about what we're capable of from a funding and logistics point of view. And, and the point I'd make about that, just so that you understand the context, guys, is that we currently have a match-fixing investigation caseload that is bigger than the International Cricket Council's anti-corruption units caseload. Yikes. Now, their caseload, they have four full-time investigators and I think a team of eight, including, in addition to, country officers in the 10 test-playing nations to call upon. And their funding is something like $2 million a year. ESIC has me and a, a, you know, my, a few of my colleagues, and we currently operate on a budget of about $250,000 a year. I funded ESIC out of my own pocket for a year and a half. It's the idea that we can take on the scale of a stream sniping, or, or let's say, a prof, your point is a good one. We can take on determining whether players were complicit in, in any cheating related to the bug. We've got to be realistic about what we can do. And, and let's be honest, we cannot do that. We cannot do that until the industry says, we think this is a serious enough issue to fund you properly which they, they currently do not, right? And, and there's not a single publisher, game developer in the whole of esports who gives us one penny, not one publisher. So, I, you know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm not maligning any one of them. I'm, I'm maligning every single one of them. Not one of them has given us a penny towards what we do. So if anybody's complaining about what we do or how well we do it, suck it. <laughs> yeah. Look, you've got to, you've sworn before me, mate. I was like today, yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I've got a serious podcast today. I can't be swearing. I'm glad that you've gotten a couple out because I, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to make it one of my yeah. uh, normal rant fests. Um, <laughs> hey, but, I, I like to rant. <laughs> but, the, uh, mm. the match fixing stuff that's going on, I think a lot of people at home would be uh, at least have some ideas. A lot of that seems to be around the uh, North American Mountain Dew League ESCA type stuff. I'm not sure if that's that's accurate. Can we expect yeah. anything coming out from ESIC regarding that anytime soon? Yeah, yeah, we will. We'll make a Look, I'm not going to say it's a full report because it's, it's huge. And look, and it's not about it's all about the MDL, right? It's about second tier uh, Counter-Strike voter. That, that's what it's about. And to be honest, what's going on in with respect to one tournament operator or one league like MDL is it's not a side issue. It's serious, but it's only a tiny part of the big picture. The big picture is that for years, and it's improving, but for years, the amount of, let, let's call it illegal gray and black market betting being offered and and this goes back to skins betting 2016 15 16 that's being offered on let's be honest pretty mickey mouse tournaments just leads to corruption it just does if some player is scratching to earn a living and some guy comes along and hey i'll give you five thousand bucks to throw a match that you could win two you could win 500 bucks if you win 
you know, you, you just look for trouble, right? Yeah, I mean, you're I looking, literally had what, what you, an, an event. You're looking of, for saint. Yeah, yeah I, I had an event of $50 prize pool being featured yeah. on like betting sites. So make yeah. of it what you and, want. And look, and, and this is a problem that we face as an industry, right? Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a problem for the legitimate licensed regulated betting industry. And a lot of the good guys that you see in the sponsorship realm, right? So members of ours like Betway, like Rivalry, like unicorn like the, these guys who are have a direct passionate interest in esports being fair properly competitive a, a genuine contest between two people or teams doing their absolute best to win because that's how they set their odds <laughs> when somebody match figures whose money is being stolen it's the betting operators it's a betting fraud that that then impacts the game, the players, the, the community, and the whole of esports. And that's what we're there to stop from an esports player perspective, but also because the betting companies who help with our education program and all of this stuff have, a, has the, have exactly the same interest in competitive integrity as everybody else. They just come at it from a different angle. But there are a lot of bad acts in this space. And the vast bulk of esports betting takes place in gray and black markets where there's no visibility, there's no accountability, there's no age verification, there's no KYC, uh, where that's know your customer regulations. The governments, the countries where this is taking place, do not give a rat's ass about this stuff, right? And that's a, so what we're dealing with is the difficulty of a problem at both ends. At the esports end, Mickey Mouse tournaments, no proper regulation or oversight. And at the other end, a massive illegal betting uh, fraternity that are offering bets on this level. So, Chad, you know, the, the problem here is not the Mountain Dew League. The, the problem is the disconnect between what's happening on the, uh, the betting marks uh, outside of regulation and control and the the desperation of third and second tier players who aspire to get to the level of playing for Fnatic or, or Cloud9 or FaZe mm. or Heroic or any of these good teams and uh, need live while they get to that level. Yeah. And perhaps, perhaps don't have the values and morals that we would wish them to have. What what do you think? Because a lot of the there's some rumors that some of these players who have uh, fixed some matches have gone across to Valorant or were yeah. in the process of doing so. What do you think happens yeah. to these individuals once this gets released? That's yeah. uh, you think it's going to cover them off over both games? Uh, to be honest, that's entirely up to Riot. We have no official relationship with Riot. Um, we've cooperated with them and, and worked with them historically, and I have a lot of respect for them as an organization. I know they also have problems, right? So I'm not an apologist for Riot uh, in, by any means, but in certain areas, they do a good job, and they tend to do a pretty good job in integrity. And it's not what I would do, but I respect it. Um, and so we will give the information to Riot, and we will give the information to the teams who have employed these guys as Valorant players, and those teams can decide what to do about their employees and Riot can decide what they're going to do. 
but it, it, it's really not in e6 hands i'm afraid uh, so what if to, what if let's say any, this wasn't yeah. sorry uh, what if let's say this wasn't valorant and yeah. this was dota that the, these players were switching mm. towards would the the bands uh, yeah. transfer that's that's a really question you know i i've never dealt with that before um we we had a case in traditional sport where a guy moved from um, rugby union and for drugs into, I think, rugby league, I want to say. And rugby league had a serious problem about whether they could ban him or not allow him in. Um, and also legally, the moral them. Yeah, legally, I mean. And um, in the end, that the club that wanted to hire him eventually did the right thing and didn't hire him. So my view is that, of course, if somebody match fixes in league, they shouldn't be able to move Dota. That, that's my personal view, I, 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 because these sports are linked. But the outcome of it from a legal perspective would be different depending where you ask the question. You know, what in a court in Germany will make a different decision to a court in, in the UK or the US. I don't think it's E6 place to make that decision. I would make a recommendation that somebody caught cheating in Counter-Strike should not be allowed to just simply bypass the consequences of that by moving to Valorant. That, that's my view. That would be my recommendation. But I have no power uh, in that regard. But you essentially, at least you have certain power if it's like within the same organizer and yes. within the games that you cover, right? So let's say ESL, like in yeah. some ESL tournament, a Counter-Strike player match fixes, he switches to Dota. I imagine he would still be banned from your uh, the member yeah. events, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, we, would, we would issue an ESIC ban there you go. against that player, and that covers all of a ban across all of our members. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, boys, we've got, uh, obviously, oh, we might as well get into to the VAC bans with the teenagers. So we're, we're talking about things to do with integrity, right? And there's, I think the Yampi case is probably the best one or the highest profile at the moment. There's a bunch of other ones out there. We have VSM. We've got a bunch of kids from Australia, like Text is another name that comes around. And these were all kids who received bans on their Steam accounts uh, when they were, were teenagers. Just from, like, I'm just curious on your standpoint on this, Ian. Like, do you think because they were children at the time essentially that uh this kind of punishment from valve is is extremely harsh or what's your take on that that those kind of bans yeah absolutely i i i really really against them i don't agree with them at all um i think you know it, just in the same way that a couple of years ago we unbanned in terms of our members the i buy power and epsilon players because they served their time you a lifetime ban for cheating when you're 16 of 14 or 15 is absurd. It, it's absurd from whatever angle you look at it. But again, you know, you come back to Valve is a business. Valve can choose with whom it does business. And on, a, on whatever arbitrary or capricious basis it, it does, right? It can just say, we don't do business with redheaded people. And you go like, okay. Now, in Europe, that's going to be problematic. But in American company uh, corporate law, they're like, yeah, all right. Um, in the same way that they try and stop people baking cakes for gay people. It's like, um, but, but look, you know, so I, I respect Valve's right to do that. But I don't agree with it. Not for one second. I think it's, I think it's unfair. I think it's disproportionate. Uh, I think in many jurisdictions, it's illegal. 
um, or unlawful. Let me put it that way. There is a difference for us lawyers, um, but they're not in that jurisdiction. So look, it's and it would cost a fortune to 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 fight that. But yeah, I, personally, I think it's wrong, and and I would say, of course, you should get some kind of sanction for cheating. Of course, you should. Um, but you know, a kid who murdered somebody at fourteen wouldn't be given a life sentence. It, do do we think that this? Because I know that Valve have a very uh, mm. strong standpoint when it comes to gambling uh, as as yep. well. Do we yep. think this is because they don't want to deal with the nuanced situation themselves? And if something like ESIC mm. ever does get um, the funding or I, I guess the approval that you were talking about before, it, and it could mm. be recognised on a global scale, that this might change things in the future. Yeah, yeah, I think two things are changing it uh, quite quickly as we speak. Right, the first is the legalisation of sports betting in America. So at the end of 2018, the previous prohibition outside of Nevada was lifted by the Supreme Court. And you, you, now I think there's 22, 23 states where some kind of sports betting is legal. And I think six or nine of those esports betting has some kind of legal standing, right? And so people are getting more used to it. When we first addressed this issue with Valve back in 2015, 16, which was primarily about skins betting at the time, um, they, they didn't really have much knowledge about betting and sports betting, and it had this moral issue to it, right? It is that most of the players are considered to be young. I, I think that's wrong as well, but I'm not going to go down that hole. Um, and that as a company, they were opposed to betting. And look, I'm, I'm not for or against betting myself, right? I think it's perfectly okay as a company or as a group to be morally opposed to betting. I, I've got no issue with that. But there's a, there's a next step that you have to take, which is recognizing that pragmatically the betting is happening, right? It, it is happening. So you can't pretend it isn't and go, well, we don't like betting, so we're, gonna, we're not going to do anything about it because we don't like it. Th th that's nonsense, right? It, it, it's saying, well, you know, I don't drive a car, so I don't care how many people get killed by cars. Well, where's your humanity? Where, where's your empathy? Where's your sympathy here? Especially, and this is the point I'll make about Valve, and, and I know it was not their, their, their intent, but through the creation of the skins market that they developed in that period, 2012, 13, 14, they unintentionally groomed an entire generation of gamblers. Right? And in why, why are CS and Dota 2 the biggest gambling games in all of esports. More than 60% of the world's gambling money spent on esports betting is spent on those two games. More than 60%. CS is more than 40%, and Dota is more than 20%. That's not a coincidence. That's not because these are awesome games to bet on versus other games. It's because, firstly, open APIs makes a big difference, data right? They, they provide better data. So give that, right? And I think that's a good thing. I'm not against that by any means. I, I'm a big fan of the open API. The second is that tens of thousands, if not, let's be honest, millions of CS and Dota fans were already betting, betting skins. And when that was shut off, they moved to cash betting. To normal betting. And so you, I don't believe 
that you can put up your hands and go, nothing to do with us, <laughs> not our problem. That's my personal view, right? Valve disagree, and Valve are entitled to disagree with me, right? Uh, and, and that's fine. Um, that, that, that's my, you know, that, that's how history has kind of panned out for the esports ecosystem. If Valve and the other companies, uh, the other developers choose to do something about it, they know where to find me. Okay. Uh, Prof, Striker, we are getting a little bit over the, uh, the allotted time we had today mm -hmm. for this, but uh, do you guys have any questions you want to follow up with here? No, I think, I think he, we went through almost everything we could. I mean, we could talk for like five more hours, but <laughs> yeah, yeah to, not to not keep you, you have a lot of Russian, angry Russian emails to, <laughs> to reply to. Yeah. I think hey. this is uh, more than what we agreed on anyway. So not, sure. not going to I mean, look, you. I'd say to the Russian guys, the passion around Dota particularly, but all esports, 99% of that is beautifully focused and passionate in the same way that I would talk about uh the brazilian fans because i know they take a lot of shit i know right I, i'm on social media i'm not an idiot because there's those guys who step over there's outliers all the time the truth is that it's the cis region's government needs to regulate sports betting better than they do and the chinese government to do the same because the reality and this is not a judgment this is just truth the truth is that if you eliminated bad betting from CIS and mainland China, you would get rid of 85% of the match fixing in all of esports. That's the truth, right? You said 85%? 85% of the cases we deal with oh. emanate from CIS and Russian, uh, sorry, and, uh, and Chinese. Chinese betters. And that's not the betters are just placing bets and trying to win money, right? That's match fixing that happens all over the world. It's the lack of regulation and oversight by law enforcement and government in those countries because they're corrupt. They are corrupt. They make their money. They get paid off to ignore the problem. Russian politicians, Chinese politicians have zero will to address this problem because they all benefit from it. And I'm perfectly happy to say that. All right. Well, that might be the bombshell we uh, we leave this one on here, Ian. Do you have anything else you want to say to the, the people before we uh, we let you go? Yeah, look, Counter-Strike is awesome. I've, it's actually, I'll be honest, Rainbow Six is my favorite game. <laughs> You've got to be careful but, with that around here. I, I know, I know. I'm sorry, guys. I have to be honest. Oh, but I, I absolutely love Counter-Strike. And as you know, I'm at a, a bunch of this. I follow it pretty closely. And Every person, 99% that I've met in the community is amazing and really cool to hang out with. It's a brilliant community. This is an aberration, right? This is a shocking aberration. It's very disappointing. But it's 0.1% of the maps that we've looked at where people have abused, exploited, been caught by the bug, possibly cheated using the bug. Let's not get carried away. It's a big deal. It's horrible. It's a scandal. But it doesn't undermine the whole of CS or the whole of esports or the whole scene. It's still an amazing game made by amazing people. And one of the things that I 
say constantly in this environment, because I speak at a million seminars and conferences, is outside of our world, our community and the CS community in particular, one of the worst misunderstandings of people looking at our industry is that the guy's playing the game. You know, whether you're talking about Fallen or Simple or any of these amazing guys, amazing players, is that these guys are somehow a kid who's quite good at something. They're not. They're as good at what they do as Lionel Messi is good at football, as Tom Brady is good at American football, as Sachin Tendulkar is good at cricket. They are that good. And I say this all the time. There's a reason we watch these guys in the millions, right? They are fucking awesome. Fair play to them. This is not going to kill the scene. This is cleaning the scene up for its future. That's my view. Awesome. I just want to add something onto that. Obviously, you've mentioned that number 0.1% of matches that you've uh, gone through so far have even been flagged in any way. And obviously, that kind of goes against what people, the people yeah. that say that the entire scene is busted, right? 0.1% yeah. is one in a thousand matches that yeah. get in any way flagged, not even affected by somebody yeah. who actually, you know, did something wrong, just Correct. flagged for, you know, that the bug even appearing. So yes. I think that also speaks to the, the, the impact that is relatively minor yeah. on the scene at large, right? I agree completely. I, I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of horror stories thrown at me the last week, uh, last couple of weeks by guys about, you know, this is the death of them. This is the death of their team. This is the death of Counter-Strike. Nonsense. It's not. It's, it's a hiccup that, that leads to better things because we're, we're creating a better value foundation for, for the scene. Uh, there's been some, there's been some crap. I mean, let's not, but, and there's been some crap that you don't know about that will be exposed over the next couple of months. But the reason we do that is because you then build on top of the pile and it gets better. That's why we do it. Cool. All right. Well, Ian. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Mm. This has uh, been a great chat. It's good to get the insight yes. from somebody uh, dealing with it from that side of things and to have somebody reasonable on the show for once. Normally, it's just me <laughs> yelling a lot. So we've had yeah. a reasonable take. We've, had a, we've actually had a civil conversation. It's been great. So thank you. My pleasure, guys. I better go. I've got a few things to do. Best of luck. And we'll hopefully see you around soon. Hopefully uh, not too yeah. many more dramas, but keep up the good work. And everyone, yeah. uh, I'm sure, appreciates what you guys are doing. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. All right, so uh, I'm going to let Lucas handle that in the back end. And for those of you who are interested in uh, finding out more about ESIC and what they have to do, you can head over to their website. It's esic.gg, and that was Ian Smith. You can find him on Twitter. I'm just trying to find it quickly. It is Bristol, Bristol Lawyer, lawyer uh, at Bristol Lawyer. So you can find him there, uh, and you can have a look. I've had a couple of conversations with him in, in buses around the world, and uh, always seems like a very stand-up guy. So great to have him on. Good that we could get a, a guest of that caliber on here today. But Lucas, can we please play the bumper and let's get into the recent news.
All right, now I can fucking swear. So now that we've got uh, we, we got Let's Ian go. out of here, I'm able to, uh, look, I want to be on my best behavior when we have a guest of that stature here. Uh, so so that's why I held my, my P's and Q's. Um, so let's get stuck into this because we have a lot to talk about, boys. Uh, a lot's happened. A lot's gone down. We, fuck, I don't, I don't we, even know where to, to begin. Be fast. We need to move fast. It's yeah. like uh, straight to the point. Does this suck or does it not suck? And that's it. Let's uh, go. You go then, Prof. Hit us with it. Uh, I guess we're starting. Are we going to start with the coaching situation? Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> uh, let's address. Let's address it from like a team standpoint. This is my cool. idea. We first we talk with with the guy. He gives us all this like high level, high level shit lawyer stuff. And now we talk about Mouse doesn't have a coach. Regin is banned for eighteen months. I think. I so don't think he'll come back. That's out of the picture. I don't know what he's going to do. Otherwise, cool guy. So kind of feels bad, man. Twista from Ants, also similar length. And then Heroic has Hunden for eight months. His his ban has been lowered because of his cooperation and uh, early, what, what do you call it? Whatever, he came forward. Yep. So those Confession are the three, three main teams that are without a coach. We know OG is going to stick with Raga. Yep. So Raga is going to come back after four and a half months. These three teams, three. what are they going to do and how is this going to impact them moving forward? Let's go, Striker. Uh I'm just look. I just need to look at the list again, just because. Well, um, so like Ants, too many for example, people. right? Ants, for example, if we're going to go there, they need a new coach, right? I think yeah, that, no, that's pretty much. The, and the fact that he's going to be out for the better part of a year and a half, that means, yeah, you have to make a choice. I, I think that this is where, does Harvey have a coach? I'm sure they have a coach. Is it disturbed? Why do I think it's disturbed? Yeah, it is. Could be, yeah. I think so, it is, yeah. Look, my memory's fucking better than I ever thought it was. Um, but this is the thing, right? Like finding another coach to work with that team, considering the personalities over in the end squad's not going to be an any easy task. And they were just on the rise, right? They have the playoffs kicking off for Pro League in a couple of days. Uh, maybe this is where somebody like Natu just has to step in and be the temporary coach to keep the boys in line. I'm sure he's a busy man with all these kids and the stuff he does over at Ants. But uh, in the interim, maybe that's what they'll need to do, right? They yeah. can't just they can't just take a step before back. They got Twister, right? So when yeah. they when did that first Cologne event, I remember him being there as as the coach, and he was not having a good time. But he did it for much, NIP as well. Too much stress for for such an old man. You know that how that goes. I, I understand. So Ants are probably fucked uh for a little while the heroic situation i think because of like what they would have taken from hunden and if everybody stays on the same page for at least the end of this online period they can probably get away um we have to say one we have to clarify one thing just because these coaches are not in any way um disallowed from working with those teams just they just don't can't do it inside official matches so i'm not entirely sure that this means that they're going to be cut uh, all together. What was the Hunden statement from Heroic? What did oh, I say? I don't actually remember. The I mean, exact, th so. that was the first thing. I think they said that they just removed them from the team. But suspended, I think that I think it was but the like, suspended. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a temporary thing until everything's decided what's what's well, going on yeah. with them. If that's the case, right? If I'm if I'm heroic and Hunden's only out for what is it three and a half months? No, or it's eight months. Four? I think. No, 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 no. It's less than that. Hunden is eight months. Is it? Yes. Am I misreading the page? I'd say I see eight months. I don't know if uh... I think it was a year and then oh, Raga's like a twenty percent. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. 
Uh, never mind. I'm confusing the Danes. Um, eight months. Okay, that is a decent chunk of time. But if they just wanted to use him from like an analyst perspective, he can do all the homework. He can send that to Cadian, and then Cadian can just do whatever he wants with that information, right? Like to be fair, like this wouldn't be so important if we only had lands, right? Because the coaches can't really do that much during matches anyway. Yeah. So if we were just in normal online uh, on in normal land action, these coaches would just work in like an analyst type. Uh, yeah. Um, or like a preparation type uh, type deal rather than you know during matches. Like calling a, for pauses, trying to calm down the team and stuff. They can't really do much during matches anyway, so I think it wouldn't have mattered as much as it does now when all we have is online matches and coaches can talk however, however they want. So I think that's the bigger biggest problem right now that people might just need to hire like additional coaches to to be there during matches um, and then having their the band coaches, or, you know, possibly Or they on the can side. just like, if they have an analyst, use the analyst to go on the servers yeah, exactly. instead. Yeah. So they probably do like a small swap there for yeah. a short period of time. Yeah, well, from your article, uh, it says for the duration of the bands, the coaches will not be able to be physically present around the team starting 15 minutes before a match is scheduled to begin and up until it ends and will not be able to communicate actively or passively with the players for the same period of time. They will not be allowed inside the game server during official matches and will not take part in the map veto or communicate with the team during the process. So the thing is, a lot of these names, especially the ones who are out for like six months or less, right? You probably just keep them. And well, I would, unless you think that they've done anything crazy nefarious and you, you want to get them out on morality causes. Like G Gary's only out for four months, right? Like if I'm furious, I'm not getting rid of him. I'm just, he's not yeah. going to be in the room. I'm, right? I think he's, already, he's even said something during the show. I, I spotted something on Twitter and I just... Yeah, I'd have to check it actually, but it just seems like they they're gonna do whatever I said that they were gonna use somebody else and uh, blah blah. I can continue acting as as a coach outside of the games yeah. on game day. I'll not participate, neither be physically in the same place. It's not the ideal scenario, but it's fair. I trust my boys, so it's like prob they're probably gonna do what I said that they they're just gonna use somebody else during matches, and he's just gonna be there for preparation. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Okay, so uh, as far as the teams go, I don't know. We can, we could we can't really speculate too much, right? Because coaching I, is still relatively new. Yeah. I just want to add something because people can also be kind of, I don't know, uh, whatever, and say, oh, the the coach can still be on maybe on TeamSpeak or whatever and communicate with them because it's online so no one can check. Uh, ESL also released, among all of this chaos, right. an update. And they said, uh, just give me a second. So it says upgrading our integrity protocols. It says that they are adding four things, which is, Referees are now recording voice communication during official matches. Streaming delay of official matches has been increased to four minutes. Uh, teams are required to provide web camera feeds of players and coaches. So with all of these things and also developing a program for anonymous reports together with ESIC. So the first three things are going to cancel out the possibility of, let's say, Hunden being on TeamSpeak and just like acting as if he's not on TeamSpeak or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a small update from from them to combat all of these things that are going on right now. And I just want to, uh, with what Ian was saying towards the end there, that this is obviously looks really bad right now because there's all this drama around things, but it's much better we fucking clean out the closet in the way that we're doing here and the fact that we clean everything up. You know, these are gray areas. Well, from, a, from an integrity and morality standpoint for a lot of people who have a strong moral compass, this isn't a gray area. This is just you made a bad decision, you made a mistake, you fucked up, and now you have to you know live with the, the, the repercussions. But from the CS scene standpoint, we don't want this type of stuff to go on. 
So we need to, you know, name and shame all of these individuals. If they've done something wrong, they need to be punished for it. And then it's setting a precedent for the future. And then not only is that going to make it so that these cases are no longer going to be 37 names with potentially more to come down the track, you know, someone will probably find a way to cheat with something in the future, right? Like the, the people will do anything in any walk of life to get themselves an advantage. That's the way it goes, right? He was talking about doping within sports. There's obviously match fixing within all other different disciplines around the world. And not just it's not just an esports thing, right? This is this is human nature, right? You have people who want to work hard and get across the line in the fairest possible way. And you have people who want to take shortcuts. And that is that is literally life. That is how some people operate, right? And we were just diving into a little bit about the match fixing stuff there. And he was talking about some of these tier three players, tier four players who uh, were match fixing basically to keep food on the table, right? He didn't use those words, but there's a couple of names out there, especially within the North American region, players who, um, you know, I've spoken to in the past at events or, you know, I've seen their presence within matches or online. And I know that they are like living paycheck to paycheck or in a lot of cases, it would be like ESEA pug money to fucking next month's what can they win right and i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's right by any means i think that if they fucked up they definitely need to be punished for this but at the same time um there is the human element and this is all like a nuanced discussion in a lot of ways right so um i think henry made a good tweet about this before we you know before we just start going after like names and organizations and everything like that there are people behind this there's like real fucking life behind all of these things so let's all just lay down our guns let's be reasonable like ian was for the hour and a, hour and a bit we had him on the show and everybody just take a deep breath all right let's not get the fucking lynch mob out there let's not do anything crazy let's keep moving through the topics i just want to mention one thing which yeah. i found very interesting i didn't really investigate it a lot but we all know that meccano gun got like caught for like a thousand demos and their second coach also got caught and it's interesting that I saw a tweet from my friend Alex, former VK, uh, yes. VK former Vega squadron uh, manager. He said that Fury, who was also a CIS coach that got caught uh, using the bug, I think in one match for like 13 rounds or something, he is now the CEO of Hard Legion. That, that is just, that's just interesting coincidence that they're all in one team. Well, the thing is, when they did well, it was at the Berlin Major and it was on land. So since then, they've basically done nothing, you know. So they got some uh, corrupty boys in the mix by the sound of things. But hey, uh, they only have four players at the moment, Prof. So they can't even play. Who cares? Let's yeah, go. Let's keep moving. All right. Uh, big one here. A little bit of news from earlier in the week. Uh, Oboe stepped down from complexity and they have uh, Nada Safix stepping in uh, within that standing role. Blame FC, I'm pretty excited to be playing with Nada Safix uh, <laughs> with the tweets that he made. But just for a bit of backstory on this for everybody at home, uh, Oboe, a 17 year old kid, uh, has basically been living in Europe away from home for the better part of this year. He was here for a massive stint earlier in the year when we had COVID shit all originally going down. Uh, they were also doing all the blast stuff and they were staying within uh, Europe then as well. So this was very extended. Uh, and, and then he's been back with Rush for their stint on this side here of the player break in the second half of the year. And for a 17 year old kid, Look, I want you guys, before you go, this is an opportunity of a lifetime, you know, like make a dumb fucking tweet like DeBears did. Um, let's really just think for a second what it's like to be a 17-year-old kid. Then let's think what it's like to be a 17-year-old kid on the other side of the world in a global pandemic in 2020. And then maybe consider what we're going to say and what we're going to think about this. Because, look, 
It's a dream, sure. He gets to play Counter-Strike every day, sure. But, mate, I live on the other side of the world for the better part of the last five or six years. And when I learned that I couldn't go back to Australia this year for Christmas because it would mean that I get stuck in the country and I wouldn't be able to leave again, I don't really, you know, sit there too often and think about home. But the idea that that's now an impossibility is something which is pretty saddening to me, right? So I can only imagine for a kid who doesn't know how long this shit's going to go on for, who he's not being with his family. He's This is like the, some of the most developmental years for an individual. And this is his lifestyle at the moment and in complete and utter uncertainty. So if anyone's going to question how how could he dare, how dare he make this decision, complexity will look good. Let's just use that human element again for a second and understand he is a kid, right? He is a kid. In his country, he legally can't drink for another four years. Like, keep that in your fucking mind for a second. Like, in the rest of the world where we are saying he can drink next year, that's cool. Um, and if you're in, like, Germany, and I'm sure where you guys are from, it's probably this bullshit law as well. You can have beer when you're 16. Don't do that, kids. Wait till wait. I Don't even drink when you're 18. Actually, America, you got it right. Wait till you're 21. Um, but, yeah, we have all these factors coming into play here. Now, do we want to talk too much about him leaving or do we just want to talk about what it means? There's one the thing fifth? that I, I did want to mention just because I'm surprised people haven't caught on to this. Not much anyway. At least I haven't seen too much flag going all his way for, like, essentially leaving way too early because, like, one day he decided to um, to leave uh, after Pro League ends, which is in a week's time or, or something like that. Um and then the next morning, basically, he said that he told the team that he's at the airport and he's leaving to America, which is the one thing that I'm I really have issue with that he kind of jumped it and didn't really complete kid. the campaign. Campaign, yes. Again, like this, this is something that we have to consider. Obviously, he's young. He's um, yeah, but it's just like going from one day to to another and completely not completely changing his mind, but you know, jumping the the return to the United States by one week is seems relatively unreasonable to me. But I mean, it just shows in how bad of a place he probably was to make that decision, right? Um, but um, yeah, it's Look, just something that I, I wasn't a, a big, big fan of, especially considering that Jason Lake was was transparent enough to say this on the stream at the press conference. Um, but yeah, I also that's, think that's that, that thing. complexity probably takes some responsibility there for, for everything that happened because you are kind of pushing the guy to a limit. This doesn't happen overnight. Maybe it does, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is something that developed over time. And even if he doesn't say anything, he's a kid that you need to check in with him and see how he's doing all the yeah. time, if this is the situation, right? I feel like th that is... Jason didn't say anything directly, but I feel like he feels a bit of responsibility for how it went down. And in the end, his team they, like getting the short end of the stick because they don't have a fifth. They are playing with a stand-in. They're losing their points or whatever for the RMR. They actually didn't qualify because they were in the close quality for... That is key to right? Yeah, they used their coach and everything fell apart. So it's one of those things like you, you want more and more and maybe you kind of disregard some things along the way because you want to, okay, I'll just get this and then, okay, then we can do whatever. But... Uh, then everything falls apart, right? So. Yeah. Uh, it's also that complexity have been incredibly committed, not just by being in Europe, but it's just, you can see it from, you could see it from the Blame F uh, episode that we had, of, I don't know when, at which point this was, but it's clear that they're playing an, an insane amount. Like Blame F is pushing them to the absolute limit, probably physically too, at a lot of, uh, for a lot of this period that they're there in Europe and, you know, under all these circumstances that we've already mentioned. So obviously not a, like very few people in the world, like us, 
a tiny percentage of people in the world are cut out for commit for a level of commitment like that. So it's just something that people just have to take into consideration as well. Complexity, I'm sure, 100% like are one of the hardest working teams in the world. So it's just all of these things together kind of make it uh, make sense. There's yeah. also stuff we don't know what like has been happening within the living conditions. Like I know yeah. it's been in a hotel, right? But we don't know what that I know the PCs look like they were in their rooms. So like, imagine if that's your every day as well. Like that, I, I had to do that when I lived in Vegas. I wanted to fucking jump out the window. Unfortunately, in Vegas, they make sure you can't do that. Um, so uh, but the that's the thing. It's like so much goes into this. And, and I couldn't handle it as an adult i couldn't imagine it as a kid right and i already live a dumb life so uh i, I really wonder just the, the mental health side of things right is something which obviously is getting uh pushed a lot you know the burnout and this is a complete different side of that you're getting players who are living in their home countries probably with the ability to see their family and friends every single day and they're still getting like claiming of burnout and then you have to just if you if you're happy to have these players go yeah we need some time off you really need to think about it from this perspective other side of the world an american teenager in the UK, his only friend, I suppose, is the staff of Complexity who's there and Rush. And that's his every day. Now, I think Rush is like, what, 26? Something like that, 25? He's a bit older, but a bit 20, much more so, mature, definitely. Yeah, so he's got he's got a, a big chunk of years. He's got like eight or nine years on um, on Oboe as well. So the relatability for him. Like you look at the picture of Oboe. He's a baby. Like he's got a baby <laughs> face. Like I don't mean that with any disrespect. I just mean that it just, he's a kid. Um but looking at the team, obviously, we're just talking about the work ethic, everything that's going in there. How badly, Prof, do you think this is going to affect their performance going into the playoffs? Do you think it's going to be like a night and day, or do you think Data Suffix will be able to fill that void? Uh, I don't think I don't think he's the player for that role. Uh, me either. No, not not at all. Like, so I, I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be. I, I like I like the guy. I think like he can fit in as a player, as a human being into the team, but I don't think it's going to be a great performance uh, from complexity. I think it's going to hinder them quite a bit. What do you think uh, striker would be like at, at the moment on the free market, if you can think of any players? Like what type of a, a, a player would you be looking to add in there? Did you have anybody in mind or are you just asking me? Well, I'm not... no, I, I, I didn't think of too many free agents, but my... I was like someone from, from might be a decent My thing was like if Nico goes to G2, then Amonek could maybe go to Complexity oh, yeah. as the fifth. That could kind of Not work. a bad shout. It will make them even more European, but probably the way they're going to be ending up anyway. So yeah. yeah, I mean, they already said that they were looking for like the best player possible. And I imagine with... with uh, how people are stuck like how the best talent in na is currently i'm not i don't want to use the word stuck but you know what i mean yeah is in the best teams basically like it's probably unlikely that it, that it is it is going to be an uh, a north american player it'll have to be a hard worker though it'd have to be someone like is you reckon Amonex english is good enough for a team like this or just that type of he, player? I mean, maybe he doesn't think so, but i think it is in, in english for like what a year almost yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you're right. They do speak English over there in the G2 camp. All right. Let's keep this one moving. Do we want to dive into that anymore or are we happy just ah, to touch on it? Let's go. All right. Go All right. Vendetta joining. Well, he's not joining. He was the analyst over there and now he's the head coach. Uh, Fifi's moving to, what is it? The VP of uh, esports. VP yeah. of esports or something so, like that. Yeah. So everyone's getting these big titles. Who would have thought us fucking little nerdy gamer boys would all be like Henry's a GM fucking if he's a VP, what the fuck's going on? Um, but Halvor, obviously, transitioning and becoming the head coach of that team. Striker, what do you think this means for the lineup? Maybe some more Norwegians in there? Maybe uh, 
the Chromans of the world getting a call up? Yeah, I don't entirely. I don't really know who they're looking at. I don't even have a, a reasonable idea outside of that. But it's. I imagine it's got to be something. Nor well, I guess it doesn't have to be necessarily. I, I, it's still I feel like in. HS is going to be joining them. I don't know. Just my okay. feeling from former yeah, Freiburg. Right? Yeah, former Freiburg teammate as well from the Optic days when Freiburg mm -hmm. was in game leading, and Freiburg is going to be in game leading here as well. So I don't know. I feel like that that could happen, but. I don't know about the last player. Could be like any of these like Nordic country decent players. Could ah. just be European, to be honest. Like they, they might as well just go, especially with how Sweden has looked in in recent years. Like they might as well just go for some European talent outside of the outside of the Nordic Nordic region. But uh, who who knows at this point? I honestly well, have no idea. Okay, so like, hear me out. I honestly think let's just assume that Phase dies. Um, okay, because that's where I'm currently at. Uh, like, I know that people think that Rain, you know, has had some poor performances recently. I'm going to say that's maybe based off the environment of, of just how the team's been. They haven't been performing well since the early stages of this year. Uh, so I, I'm looking at this as if if I'm Dignitas, I'd be trying to make some big boy moves, right? You, you've already you've already got Halzerk who can be one of these players that you can build the team around and then Forrest there, that's your backbone, right? Uh, you probably do want to take some risks on some some younger names, but I can't even think of any that you would want to take a risk on right now. Um, so like when I tweeted that, what team did I tweet? It was like Forrest, oh no, it wasn't Forrest. It was like Halzerk, Jacob, Rain, JKS and Dexter, just something ridiculous, right? Like I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, JKS, JKS probably costs a little bit too much money. Uh, but like, there's so many makeups of teams that could happen now that that everybody seems like they're in a bit of flux. Like Liquid are over there. I'm sitting looking at them, just like squinting, going, "When are you guys going to make a bit of a change? Because things aren't looking that great." Now would be the time, you know. Like OG always seem like they're walking on eggshells. Same with like a godsend. You know, they've got some big names in there that if I had like a big swinging dick and some money to come in with, I could be just taking players. Like uh, that's so. If I was Dignitas and I wanted to be like legitimately taking this seriously and trying to become a top ten team in the world. Well, they, they're going to have to make some aggressive roster moves. You, you can't, I don't know if they're in a position where they can t take gambles on youngsters um, and bank on and bank on the, the players they already have to be able to, to put up the numbers. I don't know. It's a weird spot they're in because it's like they do have good pieces, but the pieces they have to choose from, I, I don't know. Like, do you yeah, it really could like change how we look at Dignitas with these two signings. Could be like, where they are now just like not really thinking about them much and then they could pick up like two good players that fit in and we'd be like okay this is some like serious shit now now we can actually consider them a potential top 25 team whatever i th i think it it could be literally anything so let's see all right i'm just well looking at something and i'm just this as kind of a side note I'm just looking at the list of Flashpoint teams and the directions they direction they've gone in the past, let's say even a month, right? Dignitas are changing. Genji have just changed an in-game leader probably, or are about to anyway. MIBR, MIBR are just uh, are about to undergo a massive overhaul. Mad Lions are probably going back to Danish, like something that makes a lot more sense. Font Plus Phoenix are getting at like some new team, which is we're going to talk about later, obviously. Cloud9 are obviously making huge moves. So that leaves basically Envy and Contact. Is that it? Envy made some changes, right? They brought in Thomas. Envy, Envy that just made changes as well. But I mean, they're still not a team that I'm looking 
to yeah, looking seriously. at and, and thinking sure. they're going to be a massive team, you know, in the future. While you know a team like Fun Plus Phoenix, who obviously we don't know any players right now, but it, they could, in theory, put together a lineup that is competitive, right? So it's just um, just curious how this flashpoint um, way of thinking is at this point is seemingly working at least uh, at least enticing teams or organizations to make changes to make their their teams good, right? Before the second season. Well, you want to make that investment worth it, right? There's no point just fucking. Sure. Yeah. So let's see what happens there. Now we'll move forward to what you're talking about. It's Pekka. Uh, is it Pekka? Petsa. 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 Where's the S? It's a C. It's a C. All right. Well, you guys need to do, do your English lessons because that definitely says uh, Pekka. But Pessa, uh <laughs> is going Not to be Not an S. There. It's a T. It's a T. <laughs> Yeah. You don't have it in English, I feel. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of things we don't have in English. I'm trying to learn German, and it's like this fucking right is like, oh, I can't even pronounce it. Anyway, not the point. Um, so he's over there as the uh, the GM of Fun Plus Phoenix. Now, you guys probably know better than me here. But prof, who's he going to get? <laughs> he has a theory. <laughs> I know he has a theory. Sorry, throw uh, him under a bus here. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I put out a tweet saying, like, this is our best chance to have a Balkan super team. Yeah. Like, of course, because Petsa is like a Serbian guy, knows all of the Serbian Balkan players pretty well, did tournament organizing. He was the, the guy that people maybe remember for the Gaming Paradise debacle, even though it wasn't his fault. He was the guy that went in front of the camera to say, like, everything went to shit and I'm sorry, because his company was contracted to, like, admin and work the PCs and stuff like that. And of course, nothing happened. The PCs weren't really functioning. So he went through a lot of things. He was uh, working for Crazy as well when they were having that major run. He was the manager of the team. So he even coached them before when they were Valiants. You think that? He, yeah, I mean, he no, was. He did. Behind. He did. He was there coaching, at least like listed as a coach. I don't know how much actual coaching work he did, but he yeah. definitely was listed as a coach for. So for of course, like period. he knows all of the guys. It would be nice, nice, like kind of a. Uh, fantasy to have like a okay i almost said kinger maybe that's my like uh, internal love for for kinger coming up but like nico hunter and these guys uh, all in one team who knows maybe it almost happens with g2 but we'll see uh yeah, I, I doubt that's gonna happen now to be honest I don't like know. they'll be I so fucking expensive from, from what i hear fpx are thinking about buying out whole teams but also consider like a single whole team just purchasing them but also looking at individual players and building a lineup like all of these like cloud nines and complexities did as well so i think everything is on the table right now there's a lot of i think there's a lot of players who are floating out there and i think there's a lot of players in teams right now who'd probably be open to some roster moves but in terms of buying just a whole team can you think of anybody striker who would be worth just purchasing at the moment it doesn't like unless you wanted to like buy spirit like I mean, what about? Uh, I have one team that's that seems to be on a in an organization that doesn't really fit into the level that they've been at. Yeah, you, you don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, Somebody who's who's done who's um, overperformed. No, underperformed lately, I guess, or maybe overperformed in the past, depending on how you look at it. Are we talking? I'm talking about, like about sports. Oh, okay. All right. Because they are. Uh, Most sports have always been that organization. As long as they were like among those top teams, obviously now now that the whole top has kind of like converged and, and just completely changed. Um, but at the time when they were at the top, they they were the team that I thought were the easiest to buy and have a competitive lineup at the top. 
And I think that's still the case. I don't think they have, I, obviously, I don't know what their buyouts are, but I imagine they're not going to be like, uh, a, I don't know who, who I could pick out, like a G2 to buy out, you know, or something like that, like from a massive organization. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, I, I guess it comes just comes down to all the contractual stuff. Like we have no idea with any of that at the moment. Hopefully more teams follow in the, the Henry Greer footsteps and we can learn more information about that side of things. But yeah, I guess we'd just be speculating with this one. So let's, let's keep Godson, it. by the way. Yeah, Godson's another one. Um, obviously, I don't know what type of money we're talking about. And I don't know. I, I assume Fun Plus Phoenix is a big organization. Uh, they're from, is it Korean? Or are they Chinese? Chinese? Okay, well, then they have as much money. They have all the money in the world. Uh, so they can buy whoever the fuck they want. It just depends on how aggressive they want to be and who wants to play ball. Um, and, and that would mean that, I guess, if you go from being like a, a Louvre agreement team, uh, agreement team or, no, or a Blast agreement team, and then you go over to do the Flashpoint stuff and there's any overlap there, then that's kind of what the players will be trading um, with yep. those uh, kind of choices. There's yep. also Quatch in chat saying xCloud9. That's also a team that's on the market, oh, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if you just want the team to start off with, that is a team. Sure. Uh, sure. I would try and build something, I guess, if that was my options. Um, I mean, they're not a bad team. They're obviously not going to be like a top 10 contender or anything, but it's just like a team that you can pick up, sure. Yeah, but I guess if you're going to... Because unless they can get them for free, like unless you can get them for real cheap off of uh, Cloud9 and Henry, like... What what's what's the go? I, I guess like, the, I guess the thing is like if they don't have enough time to to find a whole team, and because Flashpoint is like end of November or whatever, if they can't really figure all of that, maybe they just pick this up and then build from it because they have a couple of good pieces on on the lineup. But also that is a North American lineup, then like fully North American. Oh, well, what if you just they could just start with Obo, keep him in North America, start with Obo. Build around Obo. Get OC in there on the orb. Okay, we've got two players. We need a couple more. Daps is available. <laughs> Get Daps in there. <laughs> We're just building another team. Who else we got? Fuck, I'm sure there's some names. Zelsus and stuff just retired again, didn't they? How many times are they going to do that? Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't remember <laughs> which one of them went to which ones of them went to Valorant, which stayed. I don't. Remember. Yeah. Anyway, we could be speculating this for a while. Let's keep going forward. We've got Vitality and Furia uh, joining the six-man roster hype train. Can we uh, skip this actually? Or yeah, do we really yeah. want let's, to talk nah, about it? No, let's skip it. I don't really want to talk about it. We got to wait Look, till let's, it comes let's to just fruition. say one thing. I don't think any of us expected this to be like a like an actual six man thing. I think they're all just looking into like one of those um, permanent stand in type deals rather than having an actual sixth player with whom they're going to switch around. Like we still expect this to be more of a stand in basis rather than an actual permanent member of the team. So let's yeah. just so say that. We have five players plus another player, not yeah, like six players. All oh, as a rotating bench, yeah. I, I think it's going to be something which is just like to, to slot players in in case of burnout so they don't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. And IP just did with threat. All right, uh, ESL Pro League. So we got, uh, we didn't talk about this last week because uh, we were behind schedule. And well, funny that we're behind schedule again today. Uh, but anyway, last night, Furia, they won uh, over 100 Thieves in the best of five. They had the one map advantage. It was a quick 2 0. Uh, those people who worked it, they were very happy with a quick 2 0. Um, so, you know, no, we wanted a competitive game of Counter-Strike. I wanted the Thieves to uh, to put up a fight, but they were unable to do so. Um, what do we think of the 100 Thieves lower bracket run, taking down Liquid and uh, EG Striker? I mean, I liked it just because they had, as I said on Twitter at the time, I think they hadn't beaten Liquid in like two years before that. Obviously, a completely different lineup, but this is the first time that they beat them in a real match since like November 2018. 
So that's a, that's a big step for them. That's a, that's a big uh, hump to get over, to be honest, just because they've always been that like number three, four team in North America, never really able to get over that. So this kind of is the first step that they potentially could. But obviously, who knows what's even happening with, uh, um, with uh, all the teams in North America. There's been some rumblings of, of changes and stuff like that. Obviously, Cloud9 are looking and... And 100 Thieves were one of those uh, teams that he could potentially pick out of. So it's just like, depends on all the circumstances around it. But I think this is a good first step towards, you know, potentially something better. Do you think they'll uh, they'll stick it out, Prof? Or do you think too much damage was done with their, uh, their lull earlier in the year? I'm really concerned. But at the same time, I guess they have like an event tomorrow or something or in a week. So this could be that like, oh, let's let's stick it together result. Uh, that they needed because as Trevor said I, I don't know what last good result they actually had it was like five six months ago probably at this point so it, it, impressive to beat EG and Liquid both pretty decent matches not like some random 17 16 14 on in all games or whatever yeah. overtime match so good shit like i saw azar was doing good like all Brat the players was doing have, well Leaz i think getting entries. i think you also said it on on the stream like uh Jacob was the only guy that didn't really see much of through these series yeah which was weird usually he's one of the most consistent guys on that lineup but everyone had like their own kind of uh moments so that was nice yeah, I think North America went for me from like a couple months ago of looking like super strong and everyone had a good direction and the, the teams were threatening to now that they've just been stuck within the fucking cesspool of their own, I guess, unfortunate situation of just playing one another, getting sloppier, getting, I don't want to say, I, when I say lazier, I don't think it's lazier out of any of their own doing. They're not animals. They're not built to be able to keep a competitive drive when you're playing against the same. When you know that the only good teams that you can practice against, you can count on one hand every day, like, man, that has to be such a fucking mental grind like you get sit there and go okay well we played fury yesterday we've got eg coming up in a couple of days and if we beat them we have to play liquid so we don't want to practice them either i guess we'll play against chaos uh um, maybe we can see if we can get a scrim against triumph like what the fuck like it was bad when i was there Bruh. But I think now it just feels much worse because of the pedestal that North America had found themselves on in recent time. 100 Thieves doing well. We had EG doing well. We had Liquid doing well. We had that going on for the better part of probably a year. And then now you sit here and you go, fuck. Uh, this is going to take them truly some time to get back in form when they play on the international scene. And that's why I don't mind if Fury are one of these teams we have in the Global Challenge because of their style. If they come in and they can replicate, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate it to the same uh, success. But if they're able to come on in and replicate it at least to some of the same consistency and they go, they might be able to catch teams off guard, you know, in the, in the early stages. Um, but yeah, Fury are winning. I, I think we all liked what, what type of counter-strike they play because it's exciting it's very exciting cs and the depth we don't even need to talk about the depth with the way that they've been approaching the game recently because it has been henny and it has been art they were the two main factors Vinny would have a good game yuri would have a good game Serato would have a good game but the depth of those three players didn't need to be felt as much like remember when we were talking about Serato, like he was the star of this team like he's not even the talking factor anymore like it, mm. it's is art going to run in and get an entry yes okay how much room does that make for henny okay great and then they win rounds like that that to me is kind of the furia makeup right now but we have to talk about this striker that fucking boost yeah, bloody yeah. hell what do you think of that pretty cool pretty I, I honestly i am shocked that nobody thought of it just because that seems like a relatively 
obvious spot to try to to try to boost so i'm not sure why it took this long yeah i'm not sure if there was like a certain addition that made this possible i have no idea to be honest i don't not as familiar with vertigo as uh um as you probably but i'm honestly surprised that something looking relatively simple like that wasn't discovered before but i just found it pretty cool it's good that they actually saved it we did speak to art in the post and i think he said he had it for roughly like two weeks or something so it's okay. good to still see um the game getting you know big change-ups of people putting saving, up stuff like that strats yeah still, still relevant it's nice to see right um so let's continue to go through this we've got uh the european playoffs do we don't really want to touch on anything else with north, north america right we know liquid yeah. are kind of in struggling eg they're doing fine nothing else to really say for eg this is just like a like a one-off loss potentially so it's just at least especially because they i think they had like 10-5 leads on both maps against other thieves they, they were did. supposed to win that match to be honest so it's just like probably just like a hiccup one match hiccup that they're gonna get um, get over and don't we'll, see it as a big thing we'll put it down to 10 a.m starts shall we uh okay <laughs> lucas i just sent you a link bring this bad boy up for everybody at home um so this is the european uh bracket now the group stages i'm just going to quickly run over those because as i said before we are behind schedule here uh so we had group a where navi big ants and heroic went through the teams who didn't come through from group a were og g2 ago and godsend i guess we can quickly surmise this the biggest one we're missing there is g2 uh i think that they had a, a pretty shit pro league season on the other side of things for group b the teams coming through we had australis complexity who are now hamstrung uh with nada suffix having to stand on in spirit and mouse sports and then over here it is massive names that we won't have in the playoffs we are missing vitality fanatic phase and nip um nip looked very strong but we had threat on the show the other week you can listen back to that and to hear what his thoughts were phase is fucked basically there's no other way around it fanatics that, that just was be... one of the worst runs we saw in such a long time they are the only one at the end yeah. right was that against nip and something else uh, but it was against like... complexity and nip but it was like 10 maps in a row that they lost all fives to start off just out of the tournament right away gg boys and they lost before that also an o2 i think so the yeah. this, this despicable things from face yeah i i think that um the kirby pickup is probably the worst roster move of 2020 i think i said that last time i, I think like this is the third, third episode i'll keep saying <laughs> exactly. it i'll keep saying it because it's I, like the I, third episode in a row we could make it a running joke it's fine is it like i remember when i've said it in the beginning and said like the roles didn't work there was some guy on like the, our reddit comments or like our our fucking youtube comments and he was like sponge keeps bringing up the fact that kirby hasn't played this role before but in north he was doing this yeah, but he wasn't good when he was doing that. He was good when he was doing like the more entry fragger stuff yep. when he was, you know, so let's let's not compare fucking apples and oranges, my friend. Let's take a look at whether or not it's a good decision for that squad and just adding another veteran name to a team that's clearly was already struggling. It's like, uh, anyway, I'm not going to get stuck in there. I don't really give yeah, a fuck let's, about let's that guy's about the playoffs. Um, the playoffs. Lucas, you got this up? I can't see. Uh, I'm going to assume he does. He's nodding. He's probably nodding somewhere. Okay. In Denmark. So we've got uh, Navi, Mouse, Complexity, Ents. That's the top half of the bracket. We've got Big Spirit and Astralis Heroic. Which one of these games, Prof, do you think is going to be the most exciting uh, to kick off? Mouseports is in a shit, shit situation. If you watched any of the of the qualifier stuff that they played, they literally... Shake as fuck. They literally were crawling their way through the qualifier, but somehow managed to do it. Like every game was a pain. 16-14, 16-43 maps. And they made it as fifth, I think. So not high expectations from the Navi Mouseports game. Uh, Navi have also been looking pretty well. And I think Simple has like a 1.45 rating from like the group crazy. stage. Yeah. So there has been a one-week break, so maybe that fucked them up. But other than that, uh, 
they have been looking sick, sick as fuck. So not that game. I think from these games might be probably the strongest heroic one just because like the Danish clash. Yep. And and Big Spirit, I feel like also could be pretty exciting. Like those those two could be like sick games. I mean, to be honest, even complexity and ends could end up being a, like a pretty close game just because of how those those two have been looking, even with uh, the uh, the stand-in situation with complexity. I don't think any of us expect ends to be like a massive favorite in this, uh, even even with the complexity situation. So I think it could be a close game. I'm not sure about good, just because obviously complexity in our shit spot, but it still could be pretty good. It seems to me like it looks pretty barren, but I guess this is online Counter-Strike, right? There's three names here that I'm looking for deep runs. Na'Vi, Astralis, and Heroic. Obviously, Big. Astralis, Heroic. Yeah. 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 I'm like, it's not that I, I don't think Big are good. Obviously, they are good. It's just, for whatever reason, my it, it doesn't put a uh, a tingle in my dingle. I don't know why. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. The, it just doesn't excite me. I knew me. it was going in that direction Spirit, for some reason. Spirit get me why. more excited than Big. Just, like, and I don't know why. Why I don't know why. Like, I think, like, when I when I watch Spirit play, I really like what I see from uh, from Mir. I think that he's, like, the full package as a player. I know I Balance can be a little bit streaky, but when he's on, he looks fucking hot. Um, then, uh, like, they, all of the players have been finding more impact. Like, I found that Magics were starting to come into his own a little bit more with the team as, as the matches went on. And it, it feels like they have a very decent approach like some of their stuff like mirage t sides i was critical of during a lot of the cast because it was just slow and limped in and it didn't feel decisive it didn't feel like they had any direction but then as they played more and more matches and we saw more and more of them at the tier one level they were looking better um i actually don't mind ants as a shout either i think that even though like i get what you're saying it's hard to to see them as a favorite up against complexity but if they don't have one of their days where they all just start looking like potatoes they can be a good team i i think like I saw good signs of life from them in, in some of the matches. I, I, oh, hold up. They don't have a coach now. I'll cancel that. I'll fucking take it all back. Uh, forget what <laughs> I said about Ents. Um, but yeah, all in all, let's let's pick some. Let's pick an overall winner here. Are we going to just all be boring and say Astralis are going to win? Uh, no, I'm picking thing. Navi. The Navi to win the whole thing. I was actually okay. gonna. I was actually gonna say Navi as well. But every just every like... time Navi gives like a glimpse of being good, I'm all in on Navi. I used to be that way. And then I'm going to be disappointed. I already tweeted the, the bicycle meme thing. So I'm just going to retweet it and like tomorrow or whenever they lose the first match. I like how that they left uh, Boomich, Flamey, and Perfecto at the boot camp and Simple and Electronic got like let out on good behavior. You know, it's like, <laughs> you guys, you guys are doing good. So we'll let you go home and see your family. The other three of you, you're staying here. Blade is watching you while you fucking sleep. And if you don't start playing better, we're going to lock you up for longer. Like that's, that's, I'm sure that was the vibe. I'm sure that was the vibe Navi went for right there. Um, you're I mean, gonna go, yeah. yeah, I mean, Astralis are, the, are, are probably the obvious choice. Um, but um, but I, I I don't mind the the Navi pick to be honest. You're gonna go with Navi as well. Uh, I'm still gonna go with Astralis. I think they just look too strong in the group stage. Um, Navi did obviously too, but it's just like like Prof said, like every time there's um, there's a glimmer of hope around Navi, that probably means they're gonna fuck up the the next time that they get the chance. So I'm just never picking them to win anything until they win like five things in a row. The only other name I would like put in the mix would be Heroic, but I just worry about them versus Stralis as that opening game. And then in the lower bracket, uh, the lower bracket could be an easier run for them. They play the loser of Big Spirit, right? So, um, fuck it. Just to be different, I'll go with Heroic. I'll say Heroic, you're going to win, okay. even even though I, I, I think that... Uh, like, 
it'd be hard for them to replicate what they did in Cologne. Um, so, uh, and also, we don't know what roster we're going to get out of Astralis, do we? They can still chop and change it up. They have that eight-hour window before every match, so they're still rocking the. I think tag. they've they've um, they've kind of. It looks like they've decided on this lineup until Zipex returns, though. If Zipex returns, it's okay. So I like the best if you still see striker. What? Yeah, you never decided. Are you taking oh. the bet or not? Oh, you if Zipex is going to play until the end yeah. of the year? Fuck, man. And the problem is I see a logic. It's just... I, I see a different I'll, logic I'll to take that. It. I take the bet. Go for it. I take steal it. it. You want to take it? You reckon yeah. he's going to play? Yes. How much... How, what are we putting on this? I don't know. Well, you don't have to go as high as what we did with the other one. Let's just put 100 euros on it. Just keep it yeah, something. That's, yeah, right. That's yeah. Cool. That's there cool. we go. All right. Um, so it, I don't think Zipex is going to play but, between now and the end of the year. But just one match is enough, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, one match. That's all he has to play. Okay. All right. All right, easy. That one's locked in. Um, okay, well, we're at the end. I don't think we're going to build a fantasy team. I'd say we don't really nah, have enough time for that. Nah. Can we just show the Instagram post? Oh, yeah. Brick Lucas, I you think got that's that? pretty good. I might be able to find it. Uh, I, I, did. Did. I, I did. I did. I still don't really get it. Um, like... The thing is, they mistook they mistook Lucas for the for the Spanish Lucas, yeah, for I the writer that. Lucas. So uh, there's a there's that problem. So that's why the the second picture it looks like I'm the producer because I'm like me and Lucas are relatively similar looking, but it's actually yeah. This is the weirdest thing I saw in 2020, and I saw a lot of weird things. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I just like I just don't. I wish I was that jacked. Like I'm, I guess. Why do you the, look like you have like massive boobs as well? I don't know. I do look like I. I guess it's the shadows. Like I do look like I have tits there, don't I? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm like a hybrid. Maybe I'm not a man or a woman. I'm just like what? And everybody went from having no beards to beards. Like yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. there as well? Like I don't understand. I don't know. I just like the way I'm looking. So that's and why, why am I, I in shorts? <laughs> and you're not even wearing like the the fucking thongs. The flops. Yeah, well, they. I, I guess they tried. What All can right. you do? Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not entirely sure. Yeah, the second picture just doesn't make too much sense for Look, me. Look, I, I I like what they've done here. Um, and if you guys wanna wanna uh, at home, if you're fans of the show, you wanna do up some uh, some funny illustrations of the bunch of us or or, or photoshop Look, i'm making or the next that. one my profile picture if it's good as good as this so there let's, you go let's put that on the table so uh use at uh, hltv confirmed and tweet shit on in um and i, I guess we'll shut the show down because we're 17 minutes past we did start a little bit late today as per usual uh we're going to really try our hardest to be on time next week aren't we lucas uh, hopefully yeah, and it's not Lucas's fault, you know. There's technical issues. It's the internet. Bad things happen. Let me just say, by the way, that the cup, the cup that Lucas, the wrong Lucas, is holding, says nothing is working. Everything hurts. Yeah, that's a pretty good quote. And uh, look, I, I feel that that normally happens. So we'll get everything working next week. We do have uh, a guest. It might be a little bit earlier next week. I need to double check with our guest. It might be an hour earlier um so that would be at 2 p.m ce are we still in daylight savings time when does that kick it when does that finish i don't know i don't know i don't know bro okay well it's 2 p.m next monday uh or it will be three we'll tweet we'll let everybody know um so yeah thank you for joining us for today's show we had uh, obviously ian smith on for the first half of things things were a little bit rushed but uh, we got through it this was episode nine uh, you can check out everything at anchor.fm slash hltv uh as well as you guys know where the twitch channel is because you're on it right now we're gonna do the rerun later tonight and i, I think that's about it isn't it that's us done yes that'll be it all right goodbye everybody have a good day and yeah
Bye. Kiss your mom, right? Yeah, something nice. Do something nice today.